You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. And uh, looking at this uh, letter of Philippians, we're starting this series, working through this letter tonight. If we were to take a video camera down the street and to ask people uh, in Diamond Creek, the good folk of Diamond Creek, just give us one word to describe Christians. One word. What do you reckon people would say? (laughs) Um, It's quite possible that it wouldn't be very flattering. Uh, We'd probably hear words like... Bigots, arrogant, uh, judgmental, that would certainly be people's opinion of Christians and a word that we would, we'd get from people perhaps. And even if we got positive words, they might not be the words that we might expect. People might say nice or moral or do-gooders. Is that one word or two? It's got a hyphen, so it's probably, it would probably pass. Do you think anyone, when asked, would give the answer joyful. Give me one word to describe Christians. Oh man, they're so full of joy. I reckon joyful is the word to use. Okay, forget about going down the street. Let's just think about if I had have asked you that question uh, without the kind of hint that I've just given you, would joyful have been a word that would have even crossed your mind as a word to describe Christians? Following Jesus, being one of his people, leads to joy. Does that ring true for you? Is that your experience of what it is uh, to be a follower of Jesus? Is that something you see as you look around others in our church community here? Is joy something that kind of characterises people's lives and what we experience together? Uh, We're starting this series uh, on the book of Philippians. Uh, This is, as Mez said, a letter. It's a letter written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the early church leaders, and he's writing to a church at Philippi, uh, a church that he was responsible for starting. So Paul, on one of his missionary journeys, went to Philippi. You can read about this in the book of Acts in the Bible, Acts chapter 16. It's a remarkable story of how this church begins. Uh, Paul went there because he had a vision, a dream, that this man was calling him, saying, come to Philippi, you need to share the good news of Jesus in Philippi. So because of this vision, he goes there, and yet It's not a man who he first encounters, but a businesswoman by the name of Lydia, who's the first person who believes in Jesus. Uh, So she becomes a Christian. Uh, Then there's a slave girl who can tell fortunes because she's possessed by evil spirits. And Paul casts the evil spirits out of her. uh, And she uh, then becomes a follower of Jesus. Uh, Then because of all these going on, Paul and his uh, mate Silas who he's sharing the message of Jesus with, they get locked up in prison. Uh, They're there at midnight singing songs to God, even though they're locked up in prison. There's an earthquake. All the prisoners' um, chains fall off. The jailer, who's worried that all of his prisoners are about to escape, is going to kill himself until Paul stops him and says, no, 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 we're all still here. No one's run away. Then he shares the message of Jesus with this guy and he becomes a Christian as well. So you've got a businesswoman a slave girl and a jailer, that sounds like the start of a joke, right? It's actually the start of the church at Philippi. 
uh, as these people start to follow Jesus. And that's actually a beautiful picture of what church is, isn't it? People from a variety of different backgrounds, ages, life experiences, becoming followers of Jesus and so being united together as this crazy thing called church, followers of Jesus together. That's the church at Philippi. And now Paul is writing a letter to them to encourage them as they keep following Jesus, to try and help them as they keep trying to live out their faith, which is what makes it a good letter for us too. As we want to learn more about following Jesus and what that looks like, this is a really helpful letter for us to study as well. Actually, when, uh, it's one of those letters that's often recommended to people who are fairly new Christians. If you're just starting out, um, then Philippians is really great to read. So the, the Alpha course, which explains the Christian faith, they say that as a follow-up, if people become Christians at Alpha, they have a follow-up course looking through the book of Philippians because it's so helpful in thinking about living out the Christian life. And guess what the key note, if you like, that Paul keeps on playing throughout the letter of Philippians is? Joy. Joy. He just, time and times again, keeps speaking about his joy, encouraging them to be joyful. It's very clear that he sees joy as a very key part of the Christian life. Uh, when my kids were a bit younger, they're kind of growing out of it now, we had a seri- these series of books. This one's called The Seaside. Um, you can borrow it after if you'd like to. Uh, but basically, they've got these pictures in them where you've got to find different things how many flags can you see? Which bucket made the top of the, the castle? Um, and the illustrator in this series of books um, has hidden on every page uh, a yellow duck, like a rubber duck, that's on every double page. And so one of the challenges for kids is to look in the picture and try and find where the yellow duck is. Well, joy in Philippians, if you can follow the illustration here, joy in Philippians is a lot like the yellow duck in these books. It just keeps popping up uh, everywhere throughout the letter. And every single passage that we're going to look at in this series, we've just sort of broken it up into sections, every single one of them has the word joy or the word rejoice in it. So you can hunt for the yellow duck uh, every week, joy or rejoice. It's not always the main point, but it's just there. He keeps hitting it again and again. Uh, And he's showing that joy is a central part of being a follower of Jesus. So the fact that people don't necessarily put joy and Christian together is probably a mark against us. And it's something that we should be working on. We should be people who are characterised by joy. Now, some of you might be thinking at this point, well, Tim, if you knew what was going on in my life at the moment, if you knew what I was experiencing you wouldn't be encouraging joy in my life. It's unrealistic. How can you speak of joy when life is so painful and so difficult? Um, Is what you're asking me to do is to kind of put on a fake smile, pretend like everything's great, kind of like a Christian mask that I wear, wear around. Oh, I follow Jesus, I'm so joyful, when life's really crap underneath. Is it kind of like the Joker with a painted face in Batman or a clown with this painted smile when actually there's pain? Is that, what, is that what joy is all about? No, of course not. Joy is not the same as happiness. Okay, Some of you might have uh, 
sung a song when you were kids. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Anyone sing that one? And I'm so happy, so very happy. Yeah. It's a terrible song because it basically implies that joy and happiness are the same thing when they're markedly different. Happiness is about... Um, it's a, it's a natural emotion that when good things happen, we feel happy, and when bad things happen, we feel sadness. But joy is deeper than happiness. It goes much deeper, and it's, it's more stable. It shouldn't be as affected by circumstances. Um, even in the midst of tough times, when life is really difficult and painful, you can still have joy, because it's about having a deeper sense of security and purpose in God. And it's about having a confidence that God is with you even in the midst of the hard times and that he is working for good as we just sang together, that God is even working in the midst of those circumstances to bring good and that enables us to have this joy, this deep-seated joy in our lives. Uh, How do I know that this is the case? Well, Paul, who's writing this letter which is filled with joy, is actually writing it from a prison cell. So it's not like uh, his life is going really great while he's writing it. Joy and prison. If you're doing word associations, those are not two things that you tend to put together, joy and prison. Yet he's in a prison cell because of what he's been sharing about Jesus, and yet it's clear that joy is flowing out of him. He's encouraging them to be joyful Joy is not something that is necessarily determined by the circumstances that are happening. And in today's passage, the yellow duck, just to start you off, um, is in verse 4. Paul says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So let's think about this joyful prayer that he's praying for the Philippians and have a think about what's driving it and what's motivating it. And I want to think about it just under two headings, and that is the joy that comes from our identity as Christians, who we are as Christian people should give us joy, and also the joy of being partners with other Christians, being part of a team with other Christians as well. So if you've got your Bibles there, uh, grab them and uh, have a look at Philippians 1. And let's think first about the joy that comes from our identity as Christians. Look at the way that Paul actually addresses the letter in verse 1. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Now, if we were a more traditional church, when Mez, well, actually, it wouldn't have been Mez if it was really traditional Marianne came up to do the Bible reading. She would have introduced it by saying, um, a reading from the epistle, which is a fancy way of saying letter, uh, the epistle of St. Paul to the Philippians. Okay, That's the opposite of what Paul actually says. He says, this is servant Paul writing to... The saints, right? He says, in our translation, it says holy people, but that means exactly the same thing. It's the same word as saints. Um, So we often think of Paul as this super Christian. We call him a saint. Uh, The cathedral church uh, in the centre of Melbourne is called St. 
Paul's Cathedral. We, we kind of name our buildings after these great heroes like St. John for St. John's. And we think of saints as these kind of super Christians above everyone else. Don't you have to perform like two miracles or something to be a saint and the Pope to sort of give you the tick um, to say, yeah, yeah, you're this super Christian whose deeds has mean that you're a saint. But actually in the Bible, all Christian people are called saints. It's not a term that's kind of reserved for the super-Christians, the elite, they're the saints, they earn it. It's actually every Christian person is referred to as a saint. And so Paul says, here I am, I'm your servant, servant Paul and servant Timothy, we're writing this to you, to the saints, you are the saints at Philippi, he's saying, uh, you holy people who are there. And it's the same that is true for us. Uh, You are a saint, Saint Cameron, Saint Sanjeev, <laughs> Saint Ella at the front here. Uh, you can actually you know, refer to yourself and call yourself that and put it in your emails if you like. <laughs> now hold on a minute, you're thinking. If you had actually seen my life this week, if you had heard some of the things I said to my kids or perhaps said to someone at school or at work when they really annoyed me, you would not be calling me a saint, Tim. Maybe these people at Philippi were a cut above us here in Diamond Creek. But you see, this idea of being holy or being a saint, it's not because of their brilliant behaviour or their dedication. Listening to exactly what Paul says, he says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus... At Philippi, right? Christians are not holy because we're better than other people. We're not holy because we've somehow earned this title through our good behaviour. We're holy in Christ Jesus, which is a way of talking about being connected to Jesus. Uh, it, in Christ Jesus means so closely connected, it's like we're, we're in him. When we put our trust in Jesus, when we come to him and say, Jesus, we want to be your followers... We want to rely on you. That connects us with Jesus. We become in Christ Jesus. And in that moment, his forgiveness of our sins that his death on the cross brings to us means that we are forgiven, we are perfect, we are holy, we are set apart. And when God looks at us, he sees perfection because of what Jesus has done for us. This is the heart, by the way, of what the Christian faith is about. If you're visiting with us, if you're new to Christianity, this is what it's all about. It's not about being good enough so that Jesus says, right, you've reached a certain standard, okay, you're in. Christianity is about realising we're not good enough, we can't be good enough, turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I can't do it, Um, I need to receive your forgiveness and I need you to deal with my failings, and I know that you offer that because of your death on the cross. And Jesus saying, yes, I'll do that. Connect with me, and you will be forgiven. I declare that you are holy, you are perfect, you are right with God. It's not because of what we've done, it's because of what he has done for us. So if you're someone who trusts in Jesus, then you are a saint, you're a holy person, not because of what you've done, but because Jesus has done it for you completely as a free gift. The Bible's word for that is grace, which is speaking about a free gift from God that he gives 
to us. And Paul mentions that in verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And down in verse 7 he says, all of you share in God's grace with me. Being a Christian is about receiving the grace that God offers us, a gift that God gives us. And so God says, you are holy, you're, you're right with me. You are perfect in my eyes because of what Jesus has done. Now, if you're thinking of a basis for joy, that's a pretty solid basis, isn't it? That's a pretty solid foundation. Life goes up and down, good things and bad things happen. And yet for a Christian person, the status that we have before God, where God says, you are holy, you are my person, you belong to me, you are a saint. It doesn't ride up and down with the good and bad that happens. It's not dependent on whether we've had a good week or a bad week in terms of our behaviour. It's entirely because Jesus has done it for us. And in him, God says, you are perfect, you are right with me. What a great basis for joy to go through life knowing we've got that security no matter what happens. Not based on our past performance but on God's grace to us. So that's the first thing. That's the first foundation for joy is our identity, who we are in Jesus. That we are God's holy people, set apart, special to him. But joy also comes through partnership with other Christians. So have a look at verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why does he pray with joy? Because of your partnership in the gospel. So Paul's joyful because he and the Philippians are on a team together. They're partners in the good news about Jesus. So since the Philippians made a decision to follow Jesus, they and Paul are in this thing together. Right? The word for partner um, can be used for like being business partners. Right? If people go into business together, if the business succeeds, they both succeed. If the business is struggling, well, it's not one person's problem, they're partners, right? So they work together to solve the problems. Maybe it's a bit like being in a group project uh, together at school or at uni, um, dependent on working together to get that grade. Or, or a sports team. The idea of you know, the success of the team is dependent on the team members because you're partnered together um, for the same goal. That's what partnership's about. And Paul's saying, right from the start that these Philippians decided to follow Jesus, they've been in partnership with Paul. He's travelling around the world, sharing the good news about Jesus... But as he's doing it, he knows that the Philippians have got his back. They're supporting him financially. They're praying for him. When he's in prison, they send one of their guys over to support him and to get news, and news comes back so that they can keep in contact. Uh, and they're sharing the good news of Jesus where they are. They're in Philippi. They're trying to share Jesus where they are. There's this real sense of being a team, sort of a team together sharing the good news of Jesus with others, working for the same purpose. And there's a powerful sense of, of joy when we know that we are in this with other people and working together with them. Is that the way you think about yourself? Do you think about yourself as sort of a partner in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus? Um, that you're part of a team working with other people in this congregation and in the other congregations at St. John's to do things? 
working with Christians in other churches in our local area as we try and share the good news of Jesus with other people, uh, and working with organisations all throughout the world, Christians in other countries, um, to share the good news of Jesus wherever we are. Uh, As a church, uh, we talk about having mission partners. We partner as a church with other organisations doing different work all throughout the world. And 15% of all of the money that comes in in our giving, we give away to other partner organisations with the work that they're doing. So uh, on our notice board um, out there this week is Nungyalinya College, which uh, Catherine and Andrew visited recently, uh, a college which trains Indigenous Uh, leaders up in the Northern Territory, literacy, numeracy, training people uh, to teach the Bible, to be church leaders. Uh, We're partnered with them. We're not there, but we support them, we pray for them, we give to them. We're on the same team. Similarly, we've got uh, a guy, David Blackman, who's translating the Bible into the Aliawa language in Central Australia. We're not there doing it, but we're partnering with him, praying for him, giving money to support him. The Gifford family in Barcelona meeting today with their small little church trying to share Jesus there partners with us. There's a real sense in which this is not just about us here but what's going on all over the world that we're partnering with. And it's a two-way thing. As we pray for them, they pray for us and we're all in this together. We got an email this week from uh, Bishop Godfrey. He's the Bishop of Morogoro in Tanzania who we partner with. And he just sent an email to say, I just want you to know that when my wife Tumani and I get up each day to pray at 3am, right, that's when they start their prayers, they pray for us at St John's and they're just so thankful for our love and support of them and want us to know that they're praying for us. How cool is that, that these people in Tanzania are praying for you, for us as we share Jesus here, as we support and pray for them? That's a pretty good source of joy as well, that we're part of this big team spread throughout the world sharing the good news of Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you're a new Christian, right? You you haven't been following Jesus very long, or you've been following Jesus for a long time. We're all on this team together. Have a look at what Paul says about both uh, new Christians and Christians who've, um, people who've been following Jesus for a long time. He says to the Philippians, Um, In verse 5, he speaks about their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's saying, right from the beginning, as soon as you started following Jesus, you were a partner in this mission. This is not something for advanced Christians. This is not something that after 20 years, um, you're going to be part of this team. From the moment you start following Jesus, you're part of the team. You run onto the field and you start playing. You don't watch from the stands for a while. You don't even warm up. You just run out and you start playing and you kind of learn as you go as other people uh, help you to play, uh, to use the analogy. You've got things to learn. Of course you do, but you don't spectate. You are a partner in Jesus' mission right from the the time you start following him. So if you're a new Christian... Um, and we've got a, a bunch of new Christians in our church who haven't been following Jesus for very long, I want you to know that you're part of the team. You're playing as a partner in the gospel. Um, you're part of this worldwide movement um, on mission together as we love and serve Jesus. But Paul also has a message to those who've been doing this 
for a while as well. He says in verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When we first start following Jesus, we're instantly on the team, we're instantly playing. And when we do that, God starts working in us, he's trying to change us to be more like Jesus. But that work is really a lifelong journey of growth, and it never ends. Right? God keeps working on us to shape us, to transform us, to change us, uh, and he does that until it's completed. When is that? Paul says, until the day of Christ Jesus, which is another way of saying until Jesus comes back, or if we die before that happens, when we die and we see Jesus uh, face to face. So this is meant to be a, a joy and encouragement, a source of joy and encouragement for people who've been following Jesus for a long time, that God is still doing this work in you. You're still a work in progress, even if you've been doing it for a long time. And God will complete the work that he began in you. All right, maybe you're feeling tired, maybe you're feeling weighed down, maybe you're feeling burdened. Remember that God is still working in you that he's faithful and what he began, he will finish. And there's a sense in which even as you draw closer to death, um, been following Jesus a long time and, and death is not far away, all that means is that you're that much closer to God having finished the work that he began in you, that you will see Jesus and he will totally transform you to be the person that he wanted you to be all along. He will carry on the work of completion, he promises that. We're all a work in progress. Uh, there's that sense in which God says, when we, um, God says that you are holy because of Jesus. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want us to live out that holiness and to be changed and to become more like Jesus in the way that we behave. Which is why he finishes with, uh, this, we finish this section with this prayer that he prays. Uh, and I want to finish by praying it for us. Because he prays that their love may grow that their knowledge of God might grow, that they might grow in the fruit of righteousness, which is speaking about um, treating people rightly, having right relationships and doing the right thing, which are all areas that God wants us to grow in. And he's changing us uh, in all of these areas. And he'll continue to do so until Jesus comes back or until we meet him. So let me close by praying this for all of us. Father, thank you that in Jesus you see us as perfectly holy because of his forgiveness that he offers us through the cross and resurrection. And we pray that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we're able to discern what is best and that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. We want to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus and bring you glory and praise our God. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.